This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Hello ladies and gents and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host Chris Simpson and joining me as always is Cara Thistlepoint. Hello. And we're joining you after Cara's Leicester beat Newcastle 4-0. Disappointing game from my point of view. Cara is over the moon. Well, I didn't think we'd win. So (laughs) any, any win is therefore positive. Or any result where we get a point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not actually going to be too negative in this match because it, it is, which is, is rare for me to say after a 4-0 defeat because I actually don't think we played that badly. 4-0 to Leicester. 31st minute penalty from Yuri Thielmans and then, of course, the three goals in the second half from Patson Dacker, James Madison. And then Tillman's again. Just going back to that first goal, the Tillman's penalty, the one that broke the deadlock. Obviously, we're going to have slightly differing views of it, given that we're both very biased here. But for me... It's not really that different. I have not, even though you <laughs> categorically deny this, I have not disagreed with you <laughs> and said it was a soft penalty. I literally then said, oh, if you're going to swing your leg out like that, and you're not going to make contact with the ball, there is always a very high possibility that a penalty is going to be given, which it was. And he swung his leg and he missed. I'm not saying, and I've never said in any shape or form, that it was a given to rights penalty. But like, All right. shit. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's not great for Marcel's. He sticks his leg out, though. To be honest, I think he's actually withdrawing his leg by the time Madison initiates the contact. He was already going, but, down. He, but he plays into Madison's hands because look, I'm not going to sit here and have a massive go at James Madison. But I'm, it's not it's not what you like to see, though. It's not. Like... But let's face it, he's a bit of a diver, and again, this isn't me sitting on my high horse and saying no Newcastle player would ever do that because it's. It's the same like way that fans go, oh, yeah, foreign players do that, as if English players never do it. Well, they do, and Madison is a case in point. He's played into Madison's hands there, because the second Madison sees his leg go out, even though Lascelles, I would say, is actually probably withdrawing the leg, Madison goes, thank you very much, I'm going to just run into you and go over, and I'm going to buy a penalty. I think, I think what it was, poor professional judgment from Lascelles. Like, well, speaking of poor it. professional judgment, VAR didn't even check it, which I think was the most annoying thing for me. I'm, I'm not saying they definitely would have overturned the decision. You know, I'm not saying that it was like the worst penalty decision ever. I mean, as soon as it happened, well, because we, we, we only half saw it live because they cut away to the F1. But you knew it was going to get given straight away. So I'm not saying it definitely would have been overturned or anything, but the fact that VAR basically didn't even look at it. Doesn't VAR check everything? Or, or the referee should have gone and had a look but at it. doesn't the VAR check everything? And if they saw something wrong with it, they would have As far as I'm aware, 
Well, well, yeah, I assume, presumably they at least looked, but they didn't refer the referee to have a look at it or anything like that. So that it was a, they, it, they barely reviewed it. I'm just saying. I'm saying it's disappointing. <laughs> I know. Obviously, <laughs> you don't care because it was your team and you won. <laughs> and that's saying. it's annoying <laughs> because that, look, as I say, we ended up losing 4-0, but that one being the one that broke the deadlock, it had been an even game until then. And frankly, it was an even game for a little while afterwards. Um, I'm just, I'm just. But saying. yeah, it's frustrating that that's the one that sort of changes it. And then, obviously, after that, you were the better team. You did deserve to win. I'm not saying no, 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 that no. we were like robbed of even that. a draw. And I, I'm just saying, yeah, it checks everything whether we wanted to or not. Even pointless offsides, which shouldn't really be offside because, like, the fingertip ain't going to make any difference. You know I, mean? I think it's definitely one where they could have had the referee look at it. But again, you know. You knew the second you saw it, you knew it was going to be one of those that gets given. But you're ne- well, obviously, you're never happy with a penalty being given against your side. But obviously, for some of them, you just have to hold your hands and say, Of course, that's a penalty. I mean, you and this it. one is it's, than, it doesn't sit very well. But other than Suyenshi giving you guys a helping hand, though, I don't feel that Newcastle really threatened. Leicester a huge amount, even though we're weak at penalties and not penalties, obviously. Uh, corners, but we didn't have Evans on because he went off after five minutes. So Yunchi just decided he was gonna, I don't know, play for the other side for a bit every time he got the ball. He's been doing that for about six months, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, like I thought you should have done more. Yeah, uh, look, I mean, that's I think what made this game frustrating for me on on, on several levels was that we didn't cause you enough problems because, as you've just said, yeah, you've not had a great season. You're particularly ropey at the back. You'd obviously also had that midweek game in Napoli. So in theory, we should have been the fresher team. You know, we've not had as many games this season as you. And I said, just in that literally few-day period, you'd obviously been away to Italy. Um, and then, of course, yeah, Johnny Evans going off after five minutes, i.e. your best defender now that um, Wesley Fafana's injured and indeed having to go back into defence so you've you've got somewhat you know you've got a bit of a square peg in a round hole at the back next to Soyuncu who's probably no, even worse I will hear no, no negative words <laughs> I, I love Indeedy but you know what I mean he, he isn't a centre back so he's having to play slightly out of his comfort zone as well the fact that we couldn't then cause you more problems was really frustrating because, and this is rare for me, listeners, as you'll know if you've been listening to the podcast. What, that you're frustrated or depressed or upset? Right? No, I'm just... Performance. No, what I'm trying to say <laughs> is that I'm not normally the most optimistic person that's in the world. Um, and that's putting it mildly. I'm incredibly pessimistic. Thank you, Newcastle, for making me this way. Mm-hmm. I really thought that we might get something out of this game because of all those reasons I've just mentioned. I'm just saying, don't personal issues. We have a lot. Oh, no, that Newcastle are definitely responsible for this level of pessimism in my life. But I'm just saying, like, I, I actually was quite optimistic going into this game, which I really am against Leicester, because we don't tend to do that well against why, you. Why did you implant that word, Leicester? Just, just optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> but as I say, I, I, you know, I thought we could get something, and then for us to spectacularly not get something... Well, the second half, I just don't was, know. It was upsetting. There. The second half was all the rest of it. And it's, yeah, and again, and then, and then on another level of frustration, it's upsetting because of all that opportunity in front of us. 
because let's face it, we'll get to the previews later, but we're highly unlikely to get any points from our next two games, which is away at Liverpool and at home to Man City. So this was kind of our last realistic chance to get points before Christmas. So again, the fact that we couldn't do any good, you know, we, we didn't even really get close to getting a draw in the, by the end of the game, obviously is is frustrating. Um, I think it makes it even worse with the fact that you need to be, you know, putting on all the bells and whistles to try and attract players for the January transfer window because, you know, I know we've talked about it before, but as much as, you know, you might want a player to be, oh, I can get so much money. Are they going to get so much money without a realistic chance of being in Europe, without having a realistic chance of potentially even being in the top half of the table and with, you know, a fair risk of being put down into the championship? You know, who who, who would come to a team with dire prospects, especially, you know, as we've said about the Christmas games, you're in desperate need to show some form of form. Um, and not only that, but Newcastle's um, procurement team and, and agents and that, they're going to have to think very carefully about who they bring into this team because at the end of the day, even it doesn't matter how well they are, it's going to take a particular type of player with a particular type of mentality to motivate and to push this team forward. Um so it's made it quite tricky for yourselves, I think. Yeah, you're spot on because, again, everyone keeps talking about this spending spree. But unless we just completely overpay for for the kind of player who just only really cares about the paycheck, which is not necessarily the kind of player that you want in a, let's face it, and it, what's going to be an absolutely brutal relegation dogfight for the mm. remainder of this season... It is going to be extremely difficult in January, as you've just said, to bring the right player in. Now, long term, if you can, you might be able to convince players because they'll think, "Look, all right, even if we go down, long term, there's now a project in Newcastle where there wasn't before." But at the end of the day, a lot of players will probably just think, "Or I could, if they do have that, I could just wait a couple of years and join them then." I mean, potentially. I mean, I mean, so, at the moment, the best chance you've got is to entice young players. Um, Maybe, you know, like the likes of Demiri Gray, you maybe haven't, like, maybe, you know, they didn't hit it off at Leicester so great. You know, I thought he didn't, wasn't given the right opportunities. And I know he started playing quite well at Everton recently, but that's the type of player now that you're going to have to have. It's like a young lad who has potential, but has never really haven't given the opportunity to show it. He's going to need that type of ambition. But it's like the team, you know, Newcastle is already quite a young squad without that many big leadership models, you know, like the type that Johnny Evans is in, in, in defence, mm. you know, someone with that level head, because, I mean, you've got Shelby, but he's not exactly level-headed, is he? Um, well, yeah, I mean, our main leader is Jamal Sells, and I don't know, I think he is a good captain, but... He's been a bit limp recently, hasn't he? Yeah, as, as a defender, well, we've seen that he can be a good Premier League defender, for example, under Rafa Benitez, but... Is he the best Premier League defender? No. And at the moment, let's let's be honest, he's not been in good form at all this season. I mean, let's face it. He doesn't. We've seem been to terrible be. at the back all season, and obviously he's been a, a key part of it. I'm not just saying it's all on him or anything like that. Because again, I do really like Jamal Sells, but yeah, it's it's difficult beyond him. Yeah, how many leaders are in that team? I mean, I mean you have those who lead by example. You've got like your Almiron, you've got your Sam Maxman, you've got your Wilson, but there isn't anyone with that 
demanding presence. The cells did have it a couple of seasons ago, and I know he was injured quite a lot and had COVID in the previous season, but I don't quite know what's happened to him because he doesn't have that presence on the field that he used to. Um, and I do feel that's, that's genuinely something as small as that has, has made a significant impact into into the, the team. And I'm not just talking about defensiveness because obviously that comes down to the coaching as well. You can't mm. just blame that all on one individual, but I do think it has made a difference. Yeah, and I mean, look, obviously we've spoken about the defending basically every week this entire season. Yet again, the second half was yet another reminder to Eddie Howe about the work that needs doing for the remainder of the season, especially at the back, because second half, I mean, yes, obviously we're pushing to try and get back into the game, but it was far too easy, I felt, some of those goals in the second half. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, We're given too much space and too much time and that played perfectly well into um, yeah, the individuals who had the ball at that moment in time because yeah. um, that's the one thing you don't do against Leicester is give time and space if you just run at them and press at them then they're going to collapse which we've seen multiple times this season um, but you did exactly the opposite um, which you know great for me bad for you <laughs> um, I said I mean look I've obviously I've been very negative so far and I didn't actually mean to be this negative even though that would be befitting a 4-0 defeat in a game where you thought you had a decent chance of getting at least a draw. You're talking yourself into spiral here. <laughs> no, but I do actually want to at least end on a slightly positive note. Um, is I mean, I have seen quite a lot of heavy criticism online about Newcastle's performance. I've heard it in other podcasts and on um, you know pundits and what have you talking about it. <laughs> I actually, despite everything I know that I've just said and how frustrating it was, I actually don't think Newcastle played that badly. And I certainly don't think it was a 4-0 performance from either team, if that makes sense. I think 4-0 did flatter Wester a bit. Yeah, and I think, it, I, I think it, it, it makes our performance seem like it was a lot worse than it was. I, again, I'm not sitting here saying we were robbed. I'm not saying we didn't deserve to lose because... Ultimately, we did deserve to lose that match. But I don't think it was actually as bad as it seemed. We did actually have more shots than Leicester. We had more possession. We had more corners. Again, frustrating that therefore we couldn't take advantage and actually cause you more problems with those shots, with those corners, with that possession. But I don't actually think it was as bad uh, as it seems and as some people have made out. The performance levels, again, obviously we're still struggling defensively and that's going to be a long-term thing because you can't, you don't change your defence overnight. And again, until January, we, we're stuck with the same personnel as well. But the generally, the performance levels from a lot of the players, from the team, from just the energy and intensity overall has been significantly better. Well, you just gave it a pop, didn't you? No matter what it was, you just kept, Newcastle kept, trying to do something yes it may not have been effectual in this match but you know at least you saw a team that seems like they were willing to go out and give it their all and that that makes a significant difference to the enjoyability of the match um even if you're on the side that's losing because you feel like you've done something that you're unfairly treated and uh, again i don't feel that newcastle deserved to win this match just purely because they didn't take advantage of the numerous opportunities that Soyuncu gave them. Um, <laughs> but I don't think they deserve to lose it 
in the way they did. I just think it was a good couple of performances by Leicester's midfield and Newcastle didn't do enough to shut them down. Yeah, so to, to end on a vaguely positive note there, well, to go from a vaguely positive thing to an even more positive thing, <laughs> Sports Direct signs finally being removed from St. James's Park. As you'll see in the running order, Cara, all I have written there is, whoop, whoop. <laughs> it's just, it's just nice. It's just nice to not have that plastered all over St. James's Park anymore. Hopefully it's all going to be gone by the Man City game on Sunday and that we may have to quite literally clean the stadium because I think at the moment, the last picture I saw, you could still see where the letters have been. But the filth of Saruman (laughs) is washing away. Here's here's the question. (laughs) Obviously, Mike Ashley put those up. Was he taking up space for other people to advertise or was he already paying for that advertisement? My assumption is it's the second, the first option. Oh, he just shoved it on there and yeah. he got very little commercial benefit from that. We, but the thing is, he basically have... just used no, I, I, the stadium I, that, as, that, as his advertising that's order. That's what I assumed. However, now you have no commercial benefit. Um, well, the, you know, not that I'm saying you should keep them purely for that because I understand this is more of like a symbolic thing. It's like bringing down the statue of Stalin or something. <laughs> um, but like. Um, I know you can you can have whoever because now um, you're allowed sponsorship deals with Saudi Arabian companies as long as the Premier League considers them to fair market value. Some flowery words for like, yeah, sure, why not? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean this this was news that just broke literally just about half an hour before we started recording on Tuesday, listeners. Um, as you will likely recall. Immediately after the takeover went through, all the Premier League clubs collectively shit the bed and they implemented a one-month sort of temporary ban on clubs signing deals linked to their ownership, uh, which was quite funny considering, for example, Leicester play at the King Power Stadium. Uh, Everton's owner has pumped in half a billion pounds at least uh, since he took over, don't even get me started on Man City, who are the worst offenders of any t- team. Again, I, I'm not trying to d- introduce what about her. I'm not saying that Newcastle should be able to go and sign a hundred billion pound contract with Aramco or, or, or something like that. That's clearly just dodging FFP because that isn't the way to do things. That's not fair. That's not right. I'm not saying that, but it was just quite funny that the Premier League collectively all went about it. I mean, to be fair, Man City abstained, which is also hilarious. But anyway, uh, basically, the Premier League have actually come to a bit of a decision now. So they've removed the the temporary block on the club. uh, But what's going to happen going forward, not just um, on Newcastle, but across the Premier League, basically, what they're calling associated party transactions, quote-unquote, they are now going to be allowed, but they're going to be subject to pretty heavy scrutiny. I don't think that means well, I guess we'll we'll see in the months and years to come. I mean, Newcastle is certainly going to be pretty quickly, I imagine, getting deals done now. Um, because, I mean, well, frankly, we are playing, we are massively playing catch-up on the sort of commercial front because of how poor Mike Ashley was at that, which, again, you'd think that would be the literally the one thing he would be good at as a businessman. But anyway, 
enough about him. Um, but yeah, so there's going to be an independent external assessor um, who basically looks at these deals and, and ratifies them um, to assess their value before they're made. And frankly, I think this is a good thing. Obviously, if it was just specifically targeted at Newcastle, that would be um, pretty shocking, to be <laughs> honest. But yeah, frankly, this that should always have been the case because, again, we've seen Man City get away with this for years with, you know, their... Um, with their, 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 their Etihad, sorry, Emirates oh, is yeah. Arsenal. Yeah, I always get them confused as well. But with their Etihad, you know, Etihad Airways, all these Etihad Stadium, all these different um, sponsorship deals that have been inflated that have helped them then get around FFP to an extent and and spend the insane amount of money they've spent. So this this is something that absolutely is right to be in place. And as you've just said, we'll see how stringent it's actually enforced in the in the coming years, I suspect because of the way all of the clubs have reacted to the Newcastle deal, I imagine actually they might at least make a show of it. We'll, we'll see. But yeah, the, honestly, I think this is genuinely good news for everyone. I, I mean, again, we, we've talked enough about the, the, the moral side of the, the Saudi Arabian thing and, and listeners, you know, my feelings on that and, and preferences there. Um, so I'm not saying, yay, it's great that Newcastle can go out and make all these you know, Saudi deals, but just generally the fact that these are now going to be subject to a bit more scrutiny for everyone is a good thing going forward. Again, something that should have been in place 10, 20 years ago, but better late than never, I guess. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, to be honest, that's pretty much all I've got to say on that front. I feel like the only concern is, there will be a form of favouritism to certain teams, which we have kind of seen already before this with different laws. Um, and, you know, it's going to yeah, be one I mean, of those things. Ho- hopefully the fact that this uh, so far anonymous external assessor is external, they're independent, or at least they are going to... I guess it's the Premier League who are actually going to make the decision, but with the guidance from this independent assessor. <laughs> the fact that they they are independent, assuming the Premier League gives their assessment weight, and if they don't, then why even have them? Then, yeah, hopefully that independence will mean that certain clubs, <clears throat> Man City, uh, can't get away with it. Um but again, we're just going to have to sort of see how that all shakes out. Okay. <laughs> Liverpool and Man City next two games. Yeah, see, again, the, we're, we're, in, we're in that tricky games. Christmas period that I've been banging on oh, about, listeners. Yeah, Liverpool at Anfield on Thursday, then Man City at St. James's Park on Sunday. I mean, it's not, it's not looking good for us, is it? I mean, they're literally the best two teams in the country and really two of the best teams in in Europe and in the world so it's not it's not, it's not looking great for us I, I'm, I'm not going to lie I mean we'll see it would be interesting I mean interesting to the point where you have to turn it off <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to be interesting yeah. um, I mean yeah Liverpool have won their last seven games in a row City have won eight of their last nine matches fair to say they're in good form 
fair to say we're not really. I, I mean, mean you're we won only three week. points from, from, from safety. <laughs> yes, I mean, I've written in quote marks here, listeners. Uh, we are still only three points from safety heading into these games. So again, in theory, it wouldn't take it wouldn't take much for us to actually get out of the drop zone. However, Just two wins. <laughs> good luck getting the points in these two games, because frankly, it's incredibly difficult to imagine us keeping either of these teams out. I mean, Liverpool have scored a stupid amount of goals this season. We know how great Man City's attack is and we know how awful Newcastle are at defending. Can you see any scenario in which we keep a clean sheet in either of these games? Because I can't. Always tended to struggle oddly against Newcastle. Um, Liverpool always seemed to dump you um, in recent memory. um, Not just recent memory. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was trying to be nice. Um, But yeah, no, I think I don't know, City do tend to struggle for, for whatever reason. Um, I think they just get too cocky and just kind of give up and then all it takes is a bit of Wilson to, <laughs> to score. But um, I, I, I don't think cockiness is the right word. I'm not sure Pep Guardiola is someone who allows that kind of complacency. But the one slight positive um, with, on the Man City front, because there's no positives on the Liverpool front, we've not beaten them since 2015 and we've not won at Anfield since 1995 so Thursday's a write-off listeners <laughs> we'll be lucky if we escape with fewer than three goals conceded I love how far back you have to go yeah um, <laughs> on the slightly more encouraging note the last time uh, sorry the last three Premier League visits for Man City now they did win last time but that was 4-3 so actually we gave them a bit of a game the time before that was a two-all draw and then the time before that, we actually won 2-1. So, I mean, look, as with all of these, every time we do this every week, <laughs> grasping at straws, of course. But, yeah, they're, they're, they've not been amazing at St. James's Park in the Premier League of late. Maybe there's a smidge of a chance that we could do something. I'm not holding out any hope, but... You never do. I certainly <laughs> hold out a tiny, tiny, tiny bit more hope for Sunday's game than I do us getting anything other than a spanking at Anfield, to be quite frank. Um, so here's hoping for a bit of a Christmas gift from from Eddie Howe. <laughs> do you want Callum Wilson in your stocking this year? No. I do. <laughs> oh, come on, listeners. Would you not want that beautiful smile emerging from your Christmas stocking. I mean, obviously, when you think about the fact that Callum Wilson's just random in your house, then yeah, but I'd be... What do you want for Christmas, listeners? Write in and let us know. Not Callum Wilson. (laughs) You've got no taste in that. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll we'll dissect Newcastle's back-to-back heavy defeats in next week's show, listeners. In the meantime, if you could, please give the podcast a like and subscribe and leave us a positive review. That would be absolutely fantastic. And this has been Magpies Unrestricted, and I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara. And thank you, listeners. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.